Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermon from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and, and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And then again, we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Welcome back to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. This is Ryan. I'm in the room with Pastor Stephen. And Pastor Stephen, you had a great weekend this weekend, right? Because I, I know, well, I mean, I'm in the office with you, so I see it. But uh, I know I know you had a lot of texts, a lot of conversations, a lot of comments, but you also got things to say, too. So I'm going to say I'm going to say it in this order. Best, <laughs> be, the best weekend of my life, I got, I got saved at a, uh, at a youth revival in northeast mississippi uh the second best weekend probably second third and fourth are all i think all my kids got saved on a weekend yeah and were baptized and then after that the weekend that i got married yeah and then right after that this past weekend that's right (laughs) uh what an unbelievable weekend uh started off saturday morning our student pastor uh, they just finished a middle school lock-in, and they they had about a dozen or so kids give their life to jesus and that's always a good call and then and then the later that day, uh, it's like the clouds open, the sun from heaven shone down. Uh, felt as though the Shekinah glory of God was in the living room of my house. Uh, and uh, Alabama missed a kick. Tennessee hit one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, had, had had Big Bucks had cigars, right. I was going to go down and get one for me and everybody in my family. But Big Bucks, they were out of cigars. They had the Slim Jims. What do they call them? The Slim Pow Mal, Pow Mal, Pall Mall, whatever those little. So, uh, yeah. So I don't watch a ton of college football, but I did watch that particular game because I knew it had some merit around here yeah. going on. But Yeah, everybody who rooted for Tennessee got an extra day's vacation That's right. uh, this year. That's well, right. we, we gave it to them this morning. That was good. Uh, so we're very excited yeah, I appreciate that. that, too. I'm going to take that next week. Uh, uh, did you? So you were pulling for Tennessee? Absolutely, man. All right, that's what I'm saying. It's good I mean, to know. How, you know, our, our producer, Journey, is a yep. huge Alabama yep. fan. Huge he's not even looking. He's not Alabama even looking fan. at you right now. He's shaking his head. Yeah. He's not paying attention to a word you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but also got to worship with my church family. Yeah. Good day. And uh, you know, every every time I get the opportunity to stand and and uh, open up God's word and preach, uh, still still amazed amazed that He would use me to do to do anything. So uh, great weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, let, so let's talk quickly about your sermon. It's Romans chapter twelve, verses seventeen through twenty two. And basically, you just talked about missions. So uh, I'm going to just quick synopsis of your sermon Sunday, missions, the heart of missions. (laughs) Well, and I think our listeners know this. Uh, Me and the word quick do not usually uh, go in the same sentence, but... uh, the uh, you know here's Paul. We've been systematically working our way through the book of Romans, and and he's getting ready to kind of kind of close this letter out. All of all of chapter sixteen is almost a postscript, is what it is. But he's sitting there, and he's he's we're seeing his heart, the passion that he has for the gospel, and uh, he's like, man, listen, I don't want to go, um, I don't want to go and build on somebody else's foundation. What he is saying is, I, I'll go the places that nobody else will go. Uh, I'll go to the people that maybe even maybe even folks would say, well, you know, Christ didn't come for them. That's who I want to go to. I'll go to the hard places. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, whenever I read that passage about, hey, I want to I want to build uh, or I want to take the gospel and not build on somebody else's foundation. 
uh, I always think of these guys who uh, built great churches from nothing and uh, and you know the struggles and various things like that and then somebody will come in and uh, they'll jump on and yeah. uh, kind of take their successes and go from there and um, and so I, I kind of see Paul like that Paul's like man yes yes I'll go wherever and the ends of the earth right Spain <laughs> the right. ends of the right. earth and I, and I teased in the sermon and said it and I believe I mean I've had these conversations yeah. we literally have some folks here that believe the earth's still flat and ends ends on, right you know right a little bit north of Southport um, <laughs> is where the earth ends but the uh, uh, it, it was just a challenge yeah hey may we have this same kind of heart and when I say we I, I do I mean me oh God may that be a burden may I not be able to rest over the fact of of, of people that and we don't even have to go across the across the world a stone's throw from our main campus here that if they were to die today they'd go to hell so anyway so paul is talking about just the heart for missions and uh, as i was thinking about uh you know who 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 has a really made an impact in my own life when it comes to missions when it comes to evangelism uh when it comes to constantly keeping before us just this heart of a missionary, and that is uh, that's my friend, uh, Pastor Johnny Hunt. And so we've been teasing for a few yep. a few months now, Ryan, yep. that we were trying yep. to get him here, try to get yep. him here in the podcast studio. We get to see him. He's got a home down here in Panama City, and he attends our church when he's uh, in town. And uh, uh, and so we have Pastor Johnny with us today. We so, got him. Yeah, we want to welcome he's Pastor there. Johnny welcome. Hunt to our podcast today. Pastor Johnny, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It is a joy to be here. As I've said often, I've been quite quieter than I've been in my entire Christian life the last six months and nothing on social media when I'm so active there. Yeah. So it's good to be a voice. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, you've come on our podcast today and only a few people will probably hear you. So, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> so but first question, what do you think of our uh, high tech podcast studio with it, the uh you know the the chairs and stuff it's pretty impressive <laughs> and it just reminds me that a pastor here does nothing except that which can be done with excellence that's right that, <laughs> you know if we just had like a church yeah. member that would yeah. just go ahead and say you know what i'm going to go ahead and underwrite uh, there a brand go. new podcast we studio. got a couple yeah we got a couple right. that could that's right that's right but uh anyway we've got some questions as we've as ryan and i've been thinking about all right what would we ask pastor johnny if he were to come today and uh and so we've got some questions and pastor johnny kind of the way we do this thing is we just have conversation and uh whatever whatever comes up yep. comes up so i apologize if i interrupt in the middle because sometimes i can't wait for the question i just got to ask it right then and there so i'll apologize i like right the pinging there you go so my first <laughs> my first question simple simple question like uh how, how long have you been a pastor how long you been in this church world stuff i pastored 43 years four churches college seminary went back to my home church for six years spent 33 years at first baptist church woodstock and then three years at north american bishop Boy. 40 year, 46 years of ministry 33 years of pastoring that's 43 a, wow years of that's a task right there wow wow yeah. that's almost uh that's almost as long as our uh, producer's career in the fiber optic world, um, yeah, d- just doing yeah, a lot of work. Yeah. So, so I, I kind of have a question, Pastor Johnny. Uh, okay. So, uh, you and Miss Janet, and uh, if the family's down, uh, you know, Jake and Deanna, and every now and then Holly and Pete, and 
Sometimes we'll see Katie and Nick and the big guy with them, Hammer and Hank. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you're proud of that great-grandson. To say the least, absolutely. (laughs) A head full of hair, a little jealous. Yeah, Uh, well. A little jealous. (laughs) It's all right. But how is it to be sitting in the congregation and not being the guy standing behind, behind the pulpit? I would have thought that it would have been unbearable, but God has allowed me to embrace this season with joy. So I enjoyed the message yesterday. I love taking notes. I haven't sat in church with my wife in over 40 years, so that's been good, and with my children and grandchildren. So um, I'm enjoying it. I'm embracing it. I'm enjoying it, and I'm having no struggle. Well, and I'll just say this, uh, I'm an emotional wreck um, when you're out there uh, in the, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you hide it well. Oh my goodness. I mean, to preach to the preacher and um, other than I, in the baptistry, you kind of got a little choked up yesterday, but other than that, you hide it pretty well. Yeah. I got choked up in the baptistry. Yeah. Did I? I don't yeah. remember. I know I got choked up uh, when I was preaching and looking at all those young adults and college students and uh teenagers that are yeah. just on fire for yeah. jesus man I, you know and i just look back and i'm like my goodness why why couldn't i have been like that when i was their yeah, age no i doubt. was saved but i really wasn't yeah. that on fire um but anyway it's always an honor to know pastor johnny's yeah. here i tease but there's some truth in this i'm like all right let me make sure i'm not preaching his stuff i even quoted him you did in yesterday's sermon yeah that's right. Even even gave him uh, gave him credit for that quote. I uh, normally say when someone's quoting me, they've really gotten short on material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, a yeah. great. And, and yeah. I'm going to try to remember it. Uh, so uh, I'm, I may I may get it wrong, but basically, when he was talking about uh, our calling to be missionaries and to take the gospel, you know, God may not uh, God may not allow you to touch thousands, yeah. but He may allow yeah. you to touch one who's going to touch thousands. Yeah. For sure. Um, and what a great quote. And that's really true in your life. When somebody uh, preached the gospel to a student, they had no idea that night when you responded how many people you would preach to and you would see saved in your life. So um, yeah. it's amazing what God can do. And we have to always be aware that we can never estimate what all has taken place in yeah. a service. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I know you went from a, a pool room to preaching, didn't you, Pastor Johnny? Yep, the old book, The Pool Room to the Pulpit, but at 20 years of age as a high school dropout and abuser of alcohol, someone cared enough to simply invite me to church, which best we can ascertain, 85% of the people that were in your room yesterday became a believer because somebody brought them, whether it was a mom and dad that brought them, where a friend invited them, and yesterday in your baptism, it was an emotional time. It's two young uh, ladies talked about someone had brought them, and what really blessed us is when you asked the question, um, who is your Lord? Yeah. And one, I've never heard him holler any louder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, we it, earlier, I, yeah. I began to get extremely yeah. emotional yeah. Uh, because he is Lord. And she asked beforehand, hey, yeah. how loud can I say this? Yeah. I had no idea that it was going to be yeah, that loud. True. But man, hey, true. you know, uh, hey, don't be ashamed of it. I can promise you that young lady's not ashamed of it. Uh, so, um, Ryan, I know you've got some questions you want to throw at Pastor John. Yeah, like, I, I really appreciate, you know, I mean, all the things that are said and done, just the ministry that you've done. And so we've got some, I, I do have some questions. One of the questions is, what are, what are some of the hardest points of growth 
uh, in your spiritual life versus the times when growth was easy. And this comes from one of my college students. So like what, what is part, because they're struggling with trying to figure this thing out. You know, they got life, they're trying to figure out their life space or trying to figure out how to do uh, simple work and relationships or trying to grow spiritually. They're digging into scripture. So what, what are some of the hardest points of your spiritual growth coming out of a pool room? Yeah. You know, bottom line is if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So something has got to change. So simple. That, that, that is. But so when somebody says, I want things to change, that must happen. Something needs yeah. to change. So I've gone through different seasons of how I do my devotional life. Um, and in my devotional life, I, I encourage leaders sometimes or just those that want to grow, go to a bookstore or go online and buy Baker Book Series of the Great Christian Lives by Moody, by Finney, um, by Amy Carmichael. And when you buy these books, they're like $3. And then add to your devotion an additional whatever, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe whatever it takes you to read a short chapter, and see what God was doing in their life, and then make that your prayer. God, touch me with a passion and an anointing like you did um, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was an uneducated man, yet a lot of people don't know this. Charles Spurgeon and D.L. Moody were best friends. When D.L. when Charles Spurgeon turned 50 years old, his church said, we'd like to bring in a guest preacher. He said, get Moody or I'll preach myself. When they invited <laughs> Moody, Moody said, oh, God, tell him no. I'm coming. It was going to be a surprise, but he's my favorite preacher. But they insisted that Moody preach. Moody preached on his 50th birthday. Yet, let me say to everyone listening with little different views theologically, whether it be Calvinist and non-Calvinist, here is a non-Calvinist, D.L. Moody. Here's a renowned Calvinist, um, Charles Spurgeon, and they were best friends. It's amazing what the grace of Jesus can do in a believer's life that loves Christ and loves others and can agree to disagree, and can also uh, celebrate the differences. Used to, Spurgeon would be asked many times, like, uh, Wesley, do you think he'll be in heaven? He said, yes, he'll be there, but the only thing that disturbs me, he'll be so much closer to the throne than me, I'll probably not be able to see him from where I stand. God give me that type heart. Through those who we agree to disagree. Yeah. Mm, That's a good word. You you were getting some T-shirt quotes on that on his last few statements, weren't you? Yeah. Those okay. one-liners, right? It's so simple. Like, I mean, and I guess that's, you know, that's kind of the, the the whole thing. It's like sometimes we make this spiritual walk, we try to make it so difficult thinking that, you know, we don't understand everything in the Bible or young people don't like, but man, it it's what you said. Like if we keep doing what we're doing, then we're not going to have any results. It's like, it's, it's understanding who Jesus is. It's growing in your faith. It's doing the work. It's putting in, what God's called you to do, what He's laid on your heart, like I—it's just so simple. Like I, I appreciate that. Some yeah, start a, start a discipleship group. You know, get others, and you know, everybody ought to have. I wrote a good bit about this in one of my books, but everybody ought to have kind of a coach, someone ahead of them. Everybody ought to have a student, someone coming behind them, and everybody needs somebody walking beside them as a Barnabas, an encourager. Mm, yeah, and so and every everybody needs encouragement. No one that God is using will ever get too much encouragement. They'll need all they can get. All right. So with that, I know, Pastor Stephen, you got one. But 
let me ask this are you, question. Are you are you, I'm, are you like uh, no, telling no, no. me to be quiet? That's my that's my. Hang on just a second. I don't want to forget what I'm saying. What do you think what he's I, doing, Journey? No, no, you no, tell me to I, be quiet. No, I cross my fingers. Right, like right. it's like it's a. Uh, that's all right. Go it's, ahead. It's kind of we'll like the rubber band on the wrist, you know. Sorry. Hey, this question's for all our Seattle listeners. Let's go right ahead. No, like so talking about encouragement and. I'll, I'll ask this question. As the church, and since you are part of our church, how can we encourage our pastor? Um, other, well, now you make me feel bad sorry. For, for what I just said. That's okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it happens. You know, again, like you, you've been in the pastor role for a long time. You're still doing that. You're still leading. You're still mentoring guys. But as the church, how, how can we encourage our pastor? Yeah. You, you'll never encourage him more than sincerely praying for him. Mm. And so, and I mean, being intentional, more like, uh, what, what are your needs? What, tell me specifically mm. how I can pray for you. And this is just food for thought and y'all could help lead it. But something I did for years at Woodstock and they do it now for their new pastor. Uh, I actually, um, every month sent out a prayer email and every day it told where I was, what I was doing. I mean, even like, Hey, tomorrow pray for me that God continue to enhance my relationship with my wife. I'm spending a day with her. Yeah. I'll be with my grandchildren. I mean, I gave it all, but I'm preaching at this place and here's how you can pray for me. And then as you've got listeners here, if Stephen were doing that, there would be people in Seattle, there'd be people oh, in wow. New York yeah. that begin to say, hey, can you email me that prayer list? Yeah. And then when they get their, the email here, they're oftentimes saying, hey, just let Pastor know I'm praying this specifically for him. And Pastor yesterday shared how prayer requests were made known for David Livingston, and at a time in his life mm, when he yeah, could have actually yeah. lost it, uh, that story of the 47 men that prayed that represented the angels that surrounded that uh encampment was uh if if that didn't move someone uh, yesterday but that's intentional intentional in other words the older you get when someone says i'm praying for you the more it'll mean because it's not just the least they can do for you if they can talk to god on your behalf it's Mm. the most they can do for you. Yeah, that's a good word. Amen. That's yeah. That's 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 rich right there. Um, I I want to ask you a question. If, and, hey, let me say this as well. Very seldom does a day go by uh, that I don't receive a text from Pastor Johnny Hunt saying, "Praying for you." Yeah. There's not a Sunday yeah, morning that goes by for sure. Every Sunday morning. Uh, now now he gets up at you know. About three thirty a.m., four o'clock, something like that. So I'm thankful he does. Yeah, spend, me too. He I'm spends like an hour early. and a half yeah. in prayer before he ever starts texting. Just diving uh, into scripture at four. But he, uh, yeah. at, w- without question, on, sun- on Sunday morning, yeah. I know early I'm getting one. Hey, I'm praying for you today as you go into the pulpit. All right, so I'll, I'll ask you off of that. Does, is that is that a big deal for you? Is that as the pastor of our church when when you receive those text messages? Is that a big deal in your in your confidence in your next step as you're walking down the stage absolutely well number one it's encouragement because you know somebody's somebody's thinking on you know of you but more importantly somebody's standing in the gap yeah and uh someone who believes in prayer yeah um and uh my goodness yeah just it's it's just powerful i can remember you know and 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 johnny before he ever even knew there was a Stephen kyle was (laughs) was mentoring me 
And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when we started getting closer, you know, he made the comment, uh, be, uh, uh, what, what, I, I, again, I try to paraphrase this, the uh, basically when your heroes become your friends, <laughs> it's kind of disappointing. Uh, but I found it right to be the opposite. Yeah. Uh, right, right to be the opposite, and um, and I know I know I'm not the only preacher. Yeah, for sure. That on Sunday morning he's sending that to. Yeah, you. and I know the busyness of his schedule. Even though he says the last few, I mean he he does more doing nothing than anybody <laughs> I know. Um, you know, Ryan. One one of the things too, James Dobson, Focus on the Family yeah. started. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Correct. So I've been privileged to be invited to Focus on the Family to do their live broadcast. Yeah sharing with literally the world how you can encourage a pastor. And then they send letters, like yeah. whether the chairman of deacon gets it, finance. Yeah. People are aware. And when pastors become aware that their people have been made aware, it can be real disheartening if mm. no one takes a moment, mm. maybe somewhere yeah. in the month of October to step up and say, hey, folks, yeah. just want you to know this is Pastor yeah. Appreciation Month. And to be honest, the first email, text message I got today was I want to um, bless you on Pastor Appreciation Month. Someone asked me one day, said, do you miss being a pastor now that you're not a pastor? Mm. I said, wait a minute. Yeah. Is pastoring a calling yeah. or a position? Yeah, that's right, God right. called me to be a pastor. I yeah. will be pastoring to the day I die. Another young pastor in North Carolina uh, scheduled a date with him to fly here. And I said, I'll give you 24 hours. Be here at lunch. <laughs> Leave me the next day at yeah. lunch. And I will I will try to answer every question about your future ministry. Yeah. And I've already done that two or three times yeah. in the Ryan, last 30 Ryan days. Ryan wants to get on that 24-hour do, Absolutely, man. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, we, you don't have to fly me too. in, man. I'll just drive right me out. Drive but I'm telling right. you, hey, 24, 24 hours in one minute, you're going to have to say, look, you got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. you got to leave. <laughs> yeah. I Oh man, I would be good. I'd I know nice. you would. I'd I know nice. you would. Well, uh, all right, what's your question, Pastor Steve? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, and and I'm going to jump in on one of one of the ones that uh, that that we had talked about, Pastor Johnny. Other than the the moment of your salvation, what what would you say changed in your life that gave you this this uh, heart for missions, or or really the urgency of the gospel? I've 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 heard many sermons that you preached uh, live and uh, also by video or not video. Uh, well, it would have been tape. video back then. Yeah, yeah. VHS, beta tape. Yeah, yeah. I had to borrow the beta player from Journey, our producer, uh, who still has one, believe it or not, don't you? Anyway, but what – I've never heard a sermon that you preached that clearly there has not been a call – to evangelism and clearly uh, an invitation to be a recipient of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what would you say outside of the moment of your salvation? What is it in your life that that gave you this urgency for the gospel? Yeah, uh, basically, I'd never owned a Bible, so when I was converted on a Sunday night, my wife went and got me a Bible the next day. Good old Schofield king james oh yeah wonderful notes for me as a new believer that was a big and old bible wasn't it, it was a big bible yeah. and so i i really literally began to read with s such an intrigued soul because it was all new i knew none of the music because i didn't attend church and knew none of the bible uh literally sat near the front with a table of content because when he said to turn to a book in the bible i had no reference from my childhood mm, yeah. or young adult life of where those books were or 
who wrote them or anything. But I, I remember reading about John the Baptist, and I, I, I kid a lot about it that I'm John, I'm a Baptist, but <laughs> the bottom line is it said that he drank neither wine nor strong drink, but was strong in the sight of the Lord. And I remember coming out of the pool room thinking, I'm not going to drink anymore. I was deeply convicted and supernaturally set free from alcohol, yeah. smoking, filthy language. I mean, God took it away. And I begin to think, I don't want to be nominal. And um, so I believe some people have just enough religion to make them miserable. Mm, I wanted to be wow. strong in the sight yeah. of the Lord. And so whatever that meant. And then a real game changer is I used to think, like thinking about my family, that my dad who walked out of my mom when I was seven, but I still had some relationship, but not much. He's remarried again and again and again. More children, which means I have half siblings. But I remember reading the verse, and we read John 3.16, but John 3.18 says, He that believeth not is condemned already. For instance, our lost family members and friends are not going to be condemned if they don't believe. Mm. They are condemned for not believing, which means to cut loose. They're already in a state of perishing. Uh, they're not going to perish. They are perishing. Mm. So dad's already condemned. It made me get in my car and drive seven hours mm. to tell my dad about Jesus. I did not win him at that time. It sounds melodramatic, but the only phone call I ever received from my dad, only one, was on a Sunday afternoon. He was a very uneducated man, worked heavy-duty construction. But I remember dad saying this, hey, boy, thought you'd want to know. That's just how he talked. I said, what's that? Hey, boy, went to church this morning. Dad, that is great. Something else, boy. Boy, I got saved. And I mean, mm. I'm an, a Native American, so I did a little war dance and you know, started raining and, and, in the living yeah, Absolutely. And <laughs> and then he said, Boy, I'm getting baptized. And I've got a picture of my dad being baptized yeah. with his wife mm. in my phone. And I'm just gonna be honest, God changed my dad's life. So the times I visited with him, he was in church. I did his funeral along with my brother that's a pastor and the pastor he was under in um Kentucky. But but I mean that, that came after me. And so um I've preached it a lot, but it's really true. People say, and if I were to ask this congregation Sunday morning and I'd say, talk back to me, who are the hardest people to witness to? Without exception, they say family. Yeah. If that was true of Noah, nobody would have ever got saved mm. but Noah and his wife. Because wow. they weren't anybody else to preach. Yeah. He was the only preacher of righteousness in his generation. So he would have lost three daughters and three sons-in-laws, but he 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 gave them the gospel, and they all were able to board um, the boat. And the bottom line is, my mother is in heaven today from my witness. Uh, she was saved uh, on a Sunday night that I invited her to church. The choir was singing, oh, why not tonight? Yeah. Um, Dear sinner, be saved. And so I'll never forget that. I led my brother Norman to the Lord. That is a pastor. Uh, I witnessed to my older brother, Buddy. He was the good one. It was hard to win him because he was good. <laughs> and uh, so he thought, he said to me, you needed it. Yeah. But, I mean, he didn't feel he needed it. Yeah. But today he is a, a vibrant believer and follower of Jesus. I witnessed to both my sisters and sent one of my pastor friends to see a sister in Greensboro, a letter to the Lord. The other one I prayed for, and she lived in Prescow, Maine, and I'd never been on a plane in my life. So I, all I'd do is pray for her and send her letters. 
But a church planner knocked on her door one day and shared the gospel. Her and her husband led both of them to Christ. And I have one brother that's not been saved, but uh, his blood will not be required at my hands. Yeah. And if just people will remember this. Ezekiel 3 and Ezekiel 33 carry the same story, and that is the watchman on the wall who blows the trumpet a certain sound to warn people of impending judgment. If you don't blow it, you will be required of to have their blood on your hands at the judgment seat of Christ. If you do blow it, the blood will be on their own hands. So I want to be without excuse of making the gospel known. So I, I led my family. I've led extended family members to Jesus. My meanest cousin, uh, <laughs> meanest cousin, his name's James Ray. He's in heaven today uh, because of Jesus. And I'll never forget it. It's a glorious story. But I, I love telling those stories of winning family, and then I, I went from there to friends. And uh, the year I was converted, the church was 36 years old. They baptized more people the year I was converted because I got saved on January the 7th. So I had a whole year. Yeah. More people got saved that year and were baptized than any year in yeah. the 36 years. And it's because of all my family and friends that were saved in my first year. So um, – we, we need to, to witness him. So that radically changed my life for missions and evangelism. And I've got stories of, you know, international missions as well. Well, I just, I, I'm listening to this and, you know, the reality, and Stephen says this all the time, like, you know, evangelism is contagious. When people become, you know, followers of Jesus, there's an excitement that becomes contagious. So it sounds like for you, like this continual growth, this stuff that changed you this this idea for urgency was because you were being obedient to the gospel you were being obedient to what scripture says and telling people about jesus so my question is uh how do, how do we maintain this urgency for the gospel i sat in a room one day with mature believers but there was a great concern and their concern concerned me uh that they were dealing with and here's what they were saying We've got to do a better job at making disciples. What else can we do at making disciples? And so God helped me to, to internalize. And here's what I said. Yeah. I said, well, you're, you're, you seem to be a great <laughs> follower of Christ. Yeah. I'm impressed with your walk with Jesus. Yeah. So let's internalize it. Let's don't take it out of the room. We don't need a book. We got one. Yeah. So I said, how did you become? And so when they begin to write. So now I've got all this research in my computer right now, and I teach it, but it's it's not mine other than I personalize it. But research was done by Lifeway and by two or three other world-renowned research uh, companies about what what can we find from interviewing believers. And we found out, number one, the number one ingredient in making a consistent disciple of Jesus Christ that makes disciples, Bible engagement. Mm. And, and nothing came close to it. And then number two was when you read your Bible, It I was a high school dropout. I had yeah. no desire for education. But as I began to read the Bible, I wanted to read other books about the Bible. Right. So now, you, this is just an honest-to-God statement. You will never find me without a book. Yeah. I can always tell you what I'm reading. And then number three, it, it gets into sharing your faith. Yeah. It's uh, loving others. Yeah. And there's like eight principles that they found 
all three of these companies came back together and said, "These, this is it. And then it talks about the difference it makes. Like when a person reads their Bible and engages with it, yeah. the Word of God, they become more active in church. Mm. Uh, they become more generous in giving. Uh, they they want to serve. So nobody ever had to come to me and, hey, man, we need some help. All they yeah, had to yeah. do is get up and say, hey, we, we don't have RA workers. And I'd say, uh, hey, Jan, I'm going to start RA working. Well, why did I want to be an RA worker? Well, ask Rodney at First Baptist Church Woodstock. He's been on staff for 25 years. He moved from Wilmington to follow me because I led him to Jesus when he's 10 years old. Then he got under yeah. the ministry when I was pastor, and he wanted to spend his life under our ministry, mm. so he works at Woodstock now. But I led him to Jesus around a campfire. So I weren't just overwhelmingly R.A. man. Right. I was concerned about yeah. Boys, men, women, yeah. girls. So, so you allow your gift to exercise. So that would be a good study or to talk through those eight things sometime yeah. and the difference each of them make. Yeah, for sure. Is but, there is there a reason why uh, you think the church tries to come up with everything else and strategies and stuff versus the uh, the importance, the stressing of get into God's word and let it transform? Is there? We do, Stephen. You hear this statement, especially from men. Uh, I read my Bible, but I don't get anything out of mm, it. So I like yeah. to speak in it, and I say, "Let me tell you <laughs> the simplest thing I can tell you that will make a difference." Obey what you read. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bottom line, I don't yeah. read just to read. I pray it in. Oh, God, you. I mean, like if I had the wrong attitude toward my wife, seems like I read something and the Holy Spirit prompts that in my heart. And so there's a growth through obedience with God's Word. And then I memorize God's Word. I was memorizing Scripture last week. So I, I want a, my mind to be saturated. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, how then can a young man cleanse his ways? But by, here it is, taking heed to the Word of God. It's not the truth you know. It's the truth you obey that changes your life. So you can know it. The devil knows it, and yet he's the devil. Yeah. But uh, the difference is, and that's in the book of James, which is a great book on obedience. And so, yeah, obey. Wow. So, so all the rumors that we've been hearing that – that Johnny's just sitting on a beach chair, sipping on a Perrier water. You're telling me that you're still engaging in God's Word? You're still praying? You're still memorizing Scripture? Every morning with no exception. And W.A. Criswell taught me this over 30 years ago. Give you first hour to the Lord. First hour to the Lord. And uh, I had the privilege. I was texting back and forth this morning with Richard Blackaby. I did. Uh, I did his dad. Henry Blackaby, I did his retirement celebration. And Henry Blackaby allowed me to set in with him in Jonesboro, Georgia. And they were Fortune 500 men that were believers that wanted to see how what he could teach them. And they began to ask him about, hey, you know, we're going 90 to nothing. We're building the largest companies in America. How do we find time for the Lord? And he said, well, what time do you get up, sir? He said, I already get up at 5 just to get my work done. He said, get up at four. Is there another question? And, was, and, he, <laughs> yeah. and I love the way he did yeah. it because he was saying, yeah. if you're serious, uh. here's the answer, and I'm not going to sit here and debate it with you. And so, and he just moved on, but I'll never forget it. But he's the one that gave me this word, learn to have, this is a big word, an unhurried quiet time. Like, I don't, I don't want to rush my time with King Jesus. 
I mean, if I rush my time with my wife, she's going to be sensitive to it and feel that I don't have time for her. So I want my time to be unhurried with the Lord. So every morning I read three or four devotions. I read scripture. I do scripture memory work. I've been, my last two verses I memorized was uh, Isaiah 58, 6, but I'm meditating. I'm meditating yeah. daily on that. And I'm meditating and memorized um, Jeremiah 2, 13, but I'm, I'm meditating on Jeremiah 2. But verse 13, Isaiah 58, 6 being supposed to me. And then I went ahead and put to memory uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. So I, I just want to meditate on God's word and take it in. And but I want to live it out. I yeah. really, I really want to live live it out. I want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Uh, and this has been a time where, during this season in my life, the foundation that has supported me the most has been my theology, rich. my That's understanding yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. It's good to know that I've never done anything that would cause me to merit heaven. And now that I'm part of his family, I can never do anything to be dismerited. So someone used a word on me, disgraced. The word dis is a Greek word that means out. I can't be out of grace ever. as impossible based on solid biblical theology. Mm. And so I've got to fight um, on my knees and in the word. Uh, those untruths that come against me. And so thank God for the gospel. Um, uh, I, I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. Uh, he did this for me when I was a sinner without hope, uh, and I'll be forever indebted. And let me just say to anyone that's listening to me that knows me and knows a little about my story that the Bible uh is true, and sometimes you hear of people that make a blunder, and you say, that's just a weakness. I don't believe that. I have not had a blunder in an air of weakness. I had a blunder in an air of strength, and I love what Oswald Chambers, I've stood at his gravesite in um, Cairo, Egypt, and wept thinking about his influence. Probably as a devotional writer, has influenced me more than anyone other than New Testament writers. He said an unguarded strength is a double weakness. Anytime you have problem in your life, yeah. you don't just say that's a weakness. No, you can fall as quickly in your strength. Someone said if you think you can't have a moral issue in your life, you are wiser than Solomon, mm. godlier than <laughs> David, and stronger than Samson. Mm. I think he's got some preach in him. Yeah, a little uh, bit. And I weren't sure. And I'm gonna, <laughs> but, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need two 24-hour sessions. Is that it? Yeah. See, yeah. this is how he does. Yeah, this yeah. is how he does. Next thing you know, I'll be like, "Where's Ryan? He's yeah. he's he's living over there on." Well, I texted front porch. Pastor Stephen this morning. I know you were texting your know, Black Beef Clan. I, was, I texted <laughs> I texted Pastor Stephen this morning. Hey, we're gonna take a break, and this is gonna be part one of a two-part series um, on this podcast, The Unchangeable Truth, as we spend some time listening and hearing the wisdom from Johnny Hunt. So thank you for listening to part one. We'll see you next week on part two. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. 
This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida, and we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.